Hey everyone, and welcome to Be The Leader You Deserve podcast, where my mission is to inspire you to ask yourself, are you the leader you deserve? Hi, I'm Jill Handley, and I am so excited to be here with you today. This is season seven, episode 15, servant leadership that cultivates a culture of healthy people. And before we get started with our special guest today, I do wanna give a shout out to our new listeners from Sudan. Thank you so much for listening. So today I am joined by Zach Bowermaster, principal of Kissel Hill Elementary, located in Lidditz, Pennsylvania. Now, in addition to leading his own school, Zach stays busy by connecting with principals from across the country, presenting at the local and national level. And Zach is also the author of the book, Leading with a Humble Heart. Welcome, Zach. Jill, thanks for having me on today. It's great to connect with you. Yeah, so excited to have you here. So as we get started, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and the school that you lead? Yeah, very good. So I am the proud principal of Kissel Hill Elementary School. As you said, it's in Lidditz, Pennsylvania, and that is within the Warwick School District in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. So it's just a beautiful area. It's Amish country. I don't know if you're familiar with Amish, but it's Amish country. I think I think I saw um, some Amish shows that were in Lancaster. So yeah, (laughs) there you go. And it's just a great location, beautiful area with the four seasons and and we traveling distance like two and a half hours to New York City, the Jersey Shore, the mountains, the beach. So it's just a great location. But I'm I'm the proud husband to my wife, Carly. She was my high school sweetheart. And I have three beautiful kids, Olivia, who's going into fifth grade. Elliot, who's going into second grade, and then Isaac, who is going into kindergarten. So we're at a fun age. They're all between the ages of five and 10. Um, So I have, there's a lot of leadership opportunities, and I'm a big believer in leading your family first. And when when I'm leading my family first, I feel stronger leading at my school and leading the school family as well. Wow, what an abundant life you have there, Zach. It sounds like a beautiful place to lead and then just, you know, all the abundance with your family and the support that comes with that. So, so thank you. So um, tell me a little bit more about your school. Now, is it a K-5? Is it a 3-5? So it's interesting. Our school was actually a pre, last year was the first year that we started a pre-K program. So Mm -hmm. it's it's pre-K through sixth grade elementary school. So about 550 students, but pre-K to sixth grade, which is fairly large, what you see in this area, the di- districts with elementary, the previous district I was in, elementary was K to four. Where I live, elementary is K to five. And uh-huh. just throughout the district, there's some different buildings, primary buildings, intermediate buildings, but ours is pre-K to sixth grade. Wow, that is a large span, which I know takes a lot of different hats, you know, because for, for where I'm at, pre-K is sometimes within the same building, but for the most part, many of our buildings are K-5, and then six is, it's a 6-8, so that's a big span, having those babies almost, those four-year-olds yeah. combined with, you know, those pre-teens, if you will, so that takes a lot of different hats for you to wear. <laughs> it does, and I and my teaching experience, so it, my past actually fairly interesting. I started teaching high school, so I started as a ninth grade social studies teacher. For three years then i taught five years seventh grade social studies and my first admin job was a high school assistant principal but i also had a hybrid role where i was the k-12 online learning administrator and what's unique about that i was i was going through my schooling as well for to try to earn to earn my doctorate and then superintendent letter and i just try to really uh stretch myself and try new things so then i got an assistant principal job at the elementary level and now i'm an elementary school principal so i don't even have the elementary background um, but it's been, it's been really neat because I say those pre-K and those kindergartners, when I need a confidence boost, those are the classrooms I go to. 
because they, uh, they'll run to you and they'll hug you and they're just a lot of fun. You know, Zach, with such a vast experience, you know, that, that begs people to question, you know, because I think to myself, like I've always been elementary, 26 years of my career has been elementary. Um, and, and, but I think that there are elements and people are like, do you think you could do Miller high? I'm like, well, to me, I think there are some tenets of good leadership is good leadership. Mm-hmm. And then there, and then you surround yourself with the people who, you know, the content or the, the grade level um, that may be more their expertise. Would you, would you agree with that? I would, Joe. And as I've navigated some of this, I try to get a lot of feedback from people in my life, mentors. I'm like, hey, I'm thinking about this transition to elementary. What do you think? And some people I would talk to who would just say, hey, leadership is leadership. Other, people's, other people I will talk to, they will say, I think it would be helpful if you get into the elementary for a year and really see the operation. And I think it was very helpful. I do believe leadership is leadership. And that's something I've seen is no matter what level, it, it all comes back to people. But it was very helpful to have a year as an assistant principal before going into a building principal role at the elementary. Because I know there are really specific elements, just such as reading. That, are so, that is so important at the elementary level. And, and my time at the high school and middle school wasn't really focused on that. So how do you how do you better prepare yourself um, if you are transitioning, if your experience is predominantly, let's say, at the high school level and, and you know, you're looking to take on a leadership role in a different level? What steps did you take to to make yourself where you felt better equipped, better prepared when there's such a, a vast transition from, you know, high school reading to elementary reading? I think one of the first things that I tried to do, and I don't know if it was a mistake or if it was right, I, I tried to YouTube everything, podcast, and I was just listening to try to get as much vocabulary as I could. I almost wanted to come in perfect with it, and I am far from that. So I think, I think a lot of it is that the leadership of you coming in, you're, you're listening, you're looking, you're learning, you're observing, and just absorbing. But of course, you're finding those people that that is their strength area as well, because I have a core team that I work with. At the, at the elementary school, we have a reading specialist that we work with and really trust in the expertise of those that we're working with as well. I also really enjoyed the book, The First 90 Days. Uh-huh. I believe the author is Watkins, but it's just a really good book when you transition from school, from job to job or even different levels. And it really talks about great, gives great advice of really focusing on the culture first, but really all these different parts within those first 90 days, finding the right people, getting really um, immersed into the culture of the school first and foremost, and and taking the experiences that you had in a previous job and using them, but not relying solely on them because you are in a completely new position. So not so everything doesn't directly align, but you will all, you want to use those skills, but also learn that culture of the new building. Absolutely. And that, you know, we're talking about something that's been somewhat of a common theme with many of the guests that I've had on the show, um, which is that feeling when you get hired into a new position as an administrator, you have this fear of, okay, I have to be perfect because I have to make sure that they feel like they chose the right person. And then, so I love, you know, but everybody I talk to, we continue to affirm. And I just really say this to particularly leaders who are out there who might be on the brink of, you know, maybe transitioning to a different school or transitioning to a different role to understand that one, 
nobody's going to be perfect and you don't have to be. And two, the importance of surrounding yourself with a powerful team that has such diverse strengths uh, that come about to that. So, you know, this conversation just continues to affirm that thought that those are some really great moves. Well, that new and experienced leaders can make, um, which, which kind of, you know, that whole humility thing brings me to ask questions about your book, um, leading with a humble heart. So clearly there's some humility that goes into that. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about your book? Yeah, no, I appreciate you asking about the book. And it is called Leading with a Humble Heart, a 40-Day Devotional for Leaders. And my, my faith in Jesus is just really important to me in my leadership roles as a father and as a husband, uh, as my job as a principal and a youth coach. And it's really, it's really about, as leaders, it's all about leading people. But the first person we need to lead is ourselves, so we can effectively lead people. And for me, I need to make sure for me to lead, I need to follow, and that's following the word of God. And, and that's really um, important in my life and really diving into scripture and using that as that humble base and just the example of how Jesus lived. And he was, he was gentle, but he was firm. He was humble, patient, and just really those character, those biblical characteristics that, you know, you can't really fully live out, but you certainly try your best to lead people humbly, love people, take care of people and just encourage people. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I just speak in my own experience, that servant leadership attitude really does get you so far. Um, I think when people see that you are working alongside them, mm-hmm. instead of always trying to position yourself above them, I think that, you know, with all the staffs that I've worked with, that has been such an appreciated characteristic of leadership that I know that has really um, helped with the culture of the building. Yeah, no, it certainly is. So, Zach, clearly you've had so much experience, um, a vast, you know, variety of the levels. Um, you're an author, you're, you know, a speaker, a, a presenter. So you've got a lot of things to be proud of. But when you think about um, all the things you've done as a school leader, what would you say is the one thing that you're the most proud of? I really think, and I alluded to it a little bit earlier, that no matter the level is that whole idea of it's all about people and the connections that I've made. And I really think about when I left my most recent position, as I was getting ready to pack up that day, and I just started to feel overwhelmed with emotions. And as I was leaving, I I looked back at the school for for a last time there. And what was interesting was I didn't see the school building. I didn't see lesson plans. I didn't see school policy. I didn't see board meetings, but I saw the faces of the people. And I saw those different stories and those relationships that we built. And there's one in particular, our attendance secretary, her name's Linda. But I worked side by side with her. Our desks were side by side in the in the office area. And every morning at 6.50, we'd, I'd walk by her office and say, good morning, Linda. And then unfortunately, she started to um, battle cancer. Oh. And, and she, she lost her hair. And then she had to step away from the job. But I would still, at 6.50 every morning, even when she wasn't there, I would text her and I would say, good morning, Linda. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's just that. And there were so many different stories. We know how challenging education has been. But I think what's what's been awesome is it's really magnified the need to connect with people on a personal level. And as I reflect, so I've been in uh, four different build, actually five different buildings now, and I I have these lasting connections and relationships with people in all of those buildings. And I think I think ultimately at the end of the day we get caught up in our to do lists, mm-hmm. we get caught up in the tasks that need to be completed. But it always helps me to pause and just remember that that it's all about people. 
it is all about people. And I think sometimes, you know, we as, as, as educators, you know, we know that about kids. We, we think that the moment we walk into a school building is we understand the importance of relationships and the things we do and say, and that they're always watching. Right. So we know that about kids, but I think sometimes to your point, we get so caught up in our to-do list of, you know, the systems and structures of our building, which is an important part of our job, that all the things that we know kids need, the adults need too. And I think, you know, your testament to just continuing that small thing every morning, which from your perspective was probably a small thing to send that text, but to her, it probably made her whole day. So, so yeah, I think that's a big takeaway for, for us is not to forget that all the things that we pride ourselves as educators on with children, we need to remember to pride ourselves on with those relationships with adults as well. Yeah, that's perfect. And I, I really think of it as a domino effect because, mm-hmm. you know, really taking care of the staff and really taking care of the teachers and connecting with them. And, and it's a concept, Jimmy Casa says, what we model is what we get. So really mm-hmm. modeling that as a leader, but then creating that as a culture of our schools where, where everyone's living that out. The staff is living that out. We're living that out to families and to students and just to everybody. Absolutely. So I know, you know, when we have successes, that doesn't usually come without failures. I always like to talk with our staff about, you know, having a fail forward attitude, all greatness starts there. Uh, You know, we talk about that first attempt in learning is what fail really stands for. Uh, But sometimes that can be tricky as leaders. But when you reflect upon um, the things that you've learned as a leader, what are two or three things that you feel are the most impactful things you've learned that you feel would impact other leaders the most? I think the first one is to be rooted in our why. Mm -hmm. And I think, and I think it impacted so many areas. I still struggle with this one. And I think it impacted so many areas in my leadership where you're coming into a new role. You're, if you're not grounded in your why you're looking around, all right, this leader's doing this. I need to try this or I'm not working hard enough and doing a lot of comparison. You're not as, um, not as firm maybe in your decisions and firm. I mean, confident in, in your stance on certain things. So I think that's something, but I think that's something everyone goes through as you go through different situations. And then as you become more rooted in your why, you're like, all right, all right, this is who I am. This is who I stand for. The people you work with understand that as well. And and you come up with that then collaboratively, but being rooted in your why I would say is first and foremost, something I've struggled with early in leadership. Another one that I found was I thought, early on that working hard was working all the time. Mm. And, and that certainly sort of backfired on me where, where I wanted to try to get an email out as early as I could in the morning or email on a Saturday thinking that was a, Hey, I'm showing I'm working hard. And that is not at all the tone I want to set as a leader in the culture. I want to establish a culture of healthy people. And I need to, I need to prioritize that and show that I'm healthy myself. And last year I got an email from a teacher towards the end of the year that she just reached out and she said, Hey, I want you to know my husband noticed that I'm working less in the evenings. Um, I'm sleeping better. Um, just overall a little more upbeat and positive. And that was really encouraging for me because that's what I want to see with the staff. I want to see them as healthy and I don't want them to think, you know, when we send emails that all that all of a sudden can put work on some different people. So just, and, I know that, we'll talk about it some, that idea of boundaries. Really yeah, boundaries. yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that, that um, and that, you know, it's funny because that has really been another common theme with, with the guests on the show. I think, um, I think it probably would have always been, but I think it's really been um, heightened after 
coming back from the pandemic, right? Because we know it's always been important to take care of our people and, and that whole self-care um, understanding has always been important, but now more than ever. And um, it, it's really made me reflect a lot because typically, and I, I know, you know, so many principals get caught up in the day, uh, during the day, it's that visibility. And so you're mm -hmm. in the building. And so for me, it would be like, gosh, by the time I'm right, I'm, I'm getting to the email, it's 830 at night, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I've been thinking and reflecting a lot more, particularly with our guest, about thinking, you know, at first I wouldn't think I'm just sending it because it's convenient for me to send this out because I didn't get a chance to do it during the day. But the implications of when you're sending it at that time that, you know, I don't necessarily expect the people to read it at that yeah. time, but but that understanding rule of or that under, unstated rule of, well, if I'm sending it now, maybe I'm expecting you to read it. And yeah. then uh, the things that you don't say to people. So that's been a really big, big cause of reflection for my own leadership as I've been talking with people is being mindful because it's setting boundaries for yourself, but it's also helping establish boundaries for your people as well. So you'd mentioned boundary setting. So let's talk a little bit about that. I know, yeah. you know, you kind of started saying that, you know, to be the best for your staff, you have to be the best for yourself and your family. So, but that can be sometimes hard for leaders, especially when you're trying to quote unquote, get it all right for your school. So what are some strategies, Zach, that you found to be successful with setting boundaries for yourself so that you, one, don't burn out as a leader, but two, that you're setting those um, examples for yourself staff. Yeah. Jill, I, I'm always a work in progress in this area. So I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate the question and being able to reflect on a little bit. And I'll, I'll start with a story that really stands out to me. This past fall, I, I went home from work, you know, completely exhausted. But often when we go home, we're like, all right, good. Finally, some time this weekend where I can get some work done. And, <laughs> and, and, that, and so I was thinking that as I went home. And when I got home, my wife said, hey, you've been really working a lot. I don't want to see your laptop out this weekend. And I was like, oh, man, I have a lot to do. And so the next morning I tried to get up early and 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 I was on my laptop and it just didn't set for a good morning. I, I think maybe you can picture that morning there where Absolutely. I'm trying to work. I was, <laughs> I was already told don't work. And then it got to the point where I followed my wife. I knew I was in trouble. So I, I and, and she said, Zach, you you always say you have just one more thing to do. You always have there's one more thing you have to finish. And she said look around. And she was at that time, she's gone back to work since part time from home, but she was a stay at home with the kids. She said, look around. And she showed, you know, some toys on the floor, some laundry. She said, if I focused on always getting one more thing done, what hurts the most is the relationship with the kids and with each other. Oh. And, and it, yeah, and really showing like what we prioritize, but what we're doing. And that was a time that was like a light bulb moment for me and boundaries. And I, and I just think about this week. So we have a rotation for board meetings where, where there's four elementary principal, but one has to attend the board meeting. So we rotate. Mm -hmm. So I had went in July, but it, here comes the August board meeting and we have some new teachers going to the board meeting. Um, and, and I got, I got this guilt, like this whole fear of missing out where, Oh, I tried to talk myself into going to the board meeting. And I think there's just, you can always be pulled in different directions. So I, I ended up not going, which I'm, I'm proud of. And I stayed home with my family and did some things. Uh, but I think for me, the boundaries are just really being intentional at home in the evenings with my family. And it, like I said, sometimes I have to sit down this week. I also had a notebook and I, I realized, hey, I'm getting a little off of where I want to be with my boundaries. So I wrote down things 
about sleep and making sure I'm reading, keeping my phone away, exercising, eating right, just going back to some of the basics. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think um, one of the things that I know that really works and people talk in some people, you know, this is a kind of a mixed bag of of feelings about this is kind of scheduling (laughs) your downtime, which I know for some people sounds a little what you have to schedule. But for me, I kind of live and die by my calendar, to be honest with you. So because what I always say is that if something, if I don't schedule something there, something else will creep in there. So yeah. if that means scheduling time with, you know, for yourself or with your family or just, you know, just to unplug, then that's what it means. Or listening to what you said, that reflection or making it a to-do list, adding, you know, time to self, time with family to your to-do list for all those checklist box. You know, that's me. I love to check off a box. So, so if yeah. that's, if that's kind of giving you that, that, that sense of, of gratification, you know, adding that to your to-do list and understanding how important that is, because you're right. What I found is that, and I'm sure you have too, truth is the job will never be done. And that's what yeah. I tell, you know, when I'm mentoring new principals or, you know, and I have, um, um, currently I have an intern and so in talking with her and then also our, our assistant principal who's a newer assistant principal like I said you know you could put a cot in here we could have a shower uh, the job will never yeah. be done and so you have to learn to cut it off and then more importantly I forget who I was talking with a couple of weeks ago it was one of the guests a couple of weeks ago I had on the show and I remember what she said was that if, if it makes you feel better because you know we all again want to be the best for our school is thinking that if you're not the best for yourself and your loved ones outside of the building you can't be the best for your school yeah. and so kind of looking at it through that lens so thank you for those suggestions of ways for us all and I, I think that we're all that work in progress we know how important it is yeah. but trying to find the balance is something that is a little tricky at times yeah yeah, it really is. So, uh, so when you think about, you know, and you talked about, you know, kind of uh, the variety of, of training that you've had, what are one of the two or the things that you wish they would have taught you in leadership prep? Like you think, oh, I learned all these things and then I got the job and it's like, hmm, wish they would have mentioned that. So what are one or two yeah. of those things that you wish that you would have learned in leadership prep? I, I think overall, just like an, as an umbrella, is just more general leadership prep. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a lot of specifics about what we do as principals, but more leadership. Like right now, I love listening to different podcasts, uh-huh. whether it's, whether it's uh, other educators, Andy Stanley, Craig Rochelle, John Gordon, just listening and, and really learning about leadership. So I've, I've done a lot about that. But I think a couple topics I think about, one is, conflict resolution. I think that's a topic. And when I talk about being rooted in your why earlier, I think that goes into conflict resolution where, you know, we have, I love the book Peacemaker by Ken Sandy, where he talks about there's peace faking, peace breaking, and there's peacemaking. And I can tend to lean on the side of peace faking where, hey, we sort of let this ride out and maybe it goes away. And just really how to effectively work through conflict resolution for you know, the betterment of the school, the staff and the kids. So that's one that I think stands out to me. Well, that's a good one. And who is that author again? Ken Sandy. Mm-hmm. I've not heard. Yeah, of yeah. It's called The Peacemaker. I'm not going to check that one out. Yeah. And then, and then you also know you'll, you'll have, as I said, I lean on the side of, of peace faking and then you have the peace breaking where it just, it's a situation's not approached the best way where they, someone maybe comes in hard. They don't listen. And, and then you break that piece and it's, it's tough to recover from. 
Yeah, I would, I would, with that, I would think about like some of the books that I've read. I love, I love the title, although I've not read this, I'm just inferring yeah. that it, it um, suggests a differentiated approach because I think about the little bit of training that I did have. It's almost as though it, it approached it from like every, every situation you were going to handle the exact same way, but like yeah. the need to differentiate your approach based on the staff member, based on the situation, yeah. the context and all of those things. So yeah, that differentiated approach to conflict resolution would have been very helpful, I think for myself as well. Yeah. Uh, another one that, that comes to mind and I really, I actually just, there is a friend of mine who's going through his doctorate program and he was looking at basically teacher when you're interviewing for teachers and what you're looking for. And I think that's an area where I've learned a lot throughout the years, just through practice and not as much as my training in school to become a principal. Mm -hmm. When you're looking for candidates, what's your school looking for and really setting up a system for the candidates that you're looking for, depending on a position. So hiring is so important, but hiring can often get overlooked and, and move quickly. And it, it, that's all about getting those right people in the right spots. And it is so crucial, but I don't know how much time we invested in that in some of our leadership prep programs. Yeah, I would agree with that. I know um, at this year's NAESP conference, when um, that was one of the things that Simon Sinek talked about was was around hiring, um, and you know it was so affirming because what he shared is kind of the way I've I've learned over time as well, was that you know you can teach programs, you can teach skills, uh, what you can't teach is someone who has the passion for what they do, mm-hmm. and not only that, but someone who's in alignment with the vision and mission of your school, right? Because how many times do we get candidates that are on paper, amazing candidates. And I'm sure that they go on to be amazing teachers in a particular school. But you, when in, in the conversation of, you know, how do you tease out, are you a match for my school? Because I feel like that that's one of the most important things we can do because as good leaders, you know, I can, I can cultivate you to be a great teacher when it comes to, um, the science of it. It's the art piece that mm-hmm. kind of aligns with the, the, the goals of our school. And so I was always, you know, over time looking for ways to, how do you tease that out of someone in a short interview? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have, do you have you over your time, Zach, have you found a way that you've been able to kind of dig a little deeper into the person, not just uh, what's on the paper? Yeah. And I've, so I've been in multiple school districts, so that's been always neat to see as well, as far as, Hey, who's on this interview team? Cause it's always good to have a variety of people, teachers, yes. custodians, support staff. I think it's, it's good to have all of those perspectives within the interview as they're watching and what are we looking for? And I think even when you think about the questions, yes, you want to have those professional questions, but you want to have those personal questions that really look, try to get those underlying intangibles that people will bring. Like you talked about this, Hey, do I love kids? Am I passionate about growing and learning more? What a, a great question is, what are you reading right now? And just, Ooh, just get, yeah, I love that question when I talk to people. So just trying to get into their mindset a little bit, like, hey, what are you reading right now? And I think that's always helpful in different conversations as you're looking to hire. But it's it's always effective for the team to have a system in place going into, in, into an interview. And I know for some positions, schools will even reach out to the community like, hey, what are you looking for in this candidate, this principal that's coming in or this assistant superintendent? And you're getting some of the input from the various stakeholders involved. Yeah, that's that's so important. So important. Um, I um, I think I was I think it was Samantha Hamilton that I was talking to um, and she 
And if it's not her, then I apologize because I want to give credit to whoever I I got this idea from, but I loved it so much. And it was around the idea of uh, creating, um, having different teachers create videos about who we are. So, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, it would be who we are at Kenwood Elementary. And prior to the interview, sending it to the, um, the candidates. And so when they come in, part of their questioning is, what are you, what can you bring after watching this video? What can you bring to our school? So yeah. that allows you to, to have them see, you know, how do they see you? Are they seeing you the way that you're trying to present? And then realistically, how do they see themselves fitting into what we have going on and, and, you know, to be able to add to our already existing culture. So I thought that was a really a great idea. I was like, Ooh, I think I'm going to steal that. One. Yeah, so. <laughs> that, no, that's a, that's a great idea because that's a huge part of it. How does it, how does it work both ways? And I think, we want candidates to be able to see, like you said, the culture of the school. And then this candidate bringing their unique skill sets, but how does it blend? How does it mesh with the culture that's there? Yeah. And, you know, in this day and age, that gets a little trickier because I don't know about your district, but, you know, the teacher shortage is real. <laughs> yeah, no, it certainly um, is. So, so, you know, how do we continue to, to navigate that, um, still be choosy to find the right people when, uh, you know, the, the candidate pool is getting a little more depleted day by day. Yeah. And that's, and that's where, that's where we have to be patient too. When we're hiring candidates, because sometimes you're like, well, the school year's about to start. We need somebody in there. But uh, I think Andy Stanley says, pay attention to the tension. If you're feeling that tension, this is a stretch right now. You you know, you might want to hold a little bit, maybe reopen the position, see if you can get some other candidates in there. And and that's that whole thing about, you don't want to talk yourself into a candidate. Mm, kind of like choosing the best of the worst, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, and that's a, that's a tricky place to be. So I'm glad that you said that is thinking the long-term implications. Like, do I go ahead and settle right now just so I can have someone who's kind of okay in yeah. there? Or do I take the risk of, um, you know, maybe even if it's a substitute for a little while for the long-term um, investment for that. So that's a great thing about as well. Mm -hmm. So talking, you know, teacher shortages, that's just one challenge that we face, right? But um, Mm -hmm. as as school leaders, we know that we are facing daily challenges. So Zach, when you reflect upon the challenges that you've faced as a leader, um, what do you consider to be your biggest challenge? And then how did you overcome that? I would say, and I don't, I don't know if this is the easy answer right now. And I was actually just talking to my wife about it this morning. Like even what the start of last school year felt like and leading schools through COVID and seeing the the impact of entire school districts, but then even some of the after effects now of all the different things that are coming to school board meetings and being talked about. And I think, but it's been such a challenge, but it's been also such an opportunity, really difficult conversations um, really making sure people are okay, taking care of people. So, because I know they had a, you had to go to virtual learning. Mm-hmm. You had to um, the contact tracing. Just the whole setup of school being different was such a challenge. And I think that's a challenge in leadership because, you know, I think character is very important. It's important to be confident. But we, we as leaders, love to be competent. And I think throughout COVID, you always just didn't feel as competent. You're like, all right, this is the first time we're going through this. Mm-hmm. And that's where you realize, hey, we, we need to rely on a lot of different people. And, and and sometimes I almost cringe just thinking about how I felt during some of those. And I, and I know there's still pieces of it right now, but leading through COVID and some of those conversations and just some of the announcements that come out and then, all right, what are we going to do now as a school? 
and just making sure trying to communicate and get everyone in alignment the best that we can. So that's that's certainly been a struggle. And I know a lot of schools and a lot of leaders have felt that. But as I said, it's also been a huge opportunity, as I talked about early, the connections you've built with people and mm -hmm. going through the struggles, going through the hard times together. And ultimately, that's what shapes us and strengthens us. And I think that's the way we need to look at it. At how are we better for it? So it's mm -hmm. not just like, man, this was a really tough time. But how are we better for it now and moving forward? Zach, you can certainly hear in all of your answers today. I just keep going back through that. <laughs> your book title is so fitting just just for you can tell that you really lead with that humility. Um, and so I'm just thinking that whole piece that often bothers a lot of us is that questions of, you know, I, I never want to look incompetent. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But at the same time we're human and there are yeah. going to be the unknown. And so how we navigate that is so critical. And so talk a little bit about that, um, how you balance the vulnerability of the unknown as, with your leadership while at the same time remaining strong enough for your staff to still believe that you've got them. So that's a, that's yeah. a fine balance when you when you encounter something that's really out of your wheelhouse or out of every in, in this particular situation that was new to everyone. Yeah. So how do you how do you find balance in that when you approach something that starts to get those that gut feeling it's like that doesn't feel so good like oh I'm in uncharted territory here but I still have to convey a level of confidence to my staff so that they continue to trust in my lead. Yeah, Jill, that's a great question. And I think I can just picture situations where we brought the staff together last year, heading into a change that we're going through. Two things I talked about often last year were controlling the controllables and pursuing excellence, not perfection. And I think sometimes we always want that. We want that perfection. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think it's where oftentimes one of my mentors, Art Painter, who was a, the principal I worked under previously, something he embedded in me was, we don't always have to operate quickly. So operating patiently, if something comes up, a question, we don't have to do it quick. We can work through it. Talk to a few different people like, hey, what are you thinking about this? I'm thinking about going this way. You talk to the core team. You talked about it earlier, Joe, where you have that team that's with you. Mm -hmm. And I think I always feel more confident when you have that input of others. Mm -hmm. So really, really, as you as you work as a team, uh, but it but it is certainly you need to have that level of confidence because sometimes it's not, it might not be always the most popular opinion, but Hey, this is what we need to go with right now. I feel fairly certain in this, that this is going to be best for us as a team and getting that input from others as well. Um, but it, but it is a fine line because you want to be, you want to be vulnerable. You want to be open. You want to be able to communicate, but you also, I, I think that idea of firm, but gentle, but you also, all right, yeah. here we go. This is, this is where we're going to move forward right now. I know we're shifting classrooms around. I hope it's temporary, but this is what we need to do right now. We can't be in the cafeteria with everyone this close, so we're going to move this schedule this way. And then, and then you, you support through change. And I think that was a lot of it, change leadership. Tom, Tom Gusky, I love Tom Gusky, mm -hmm. and he, he, always, he says experiences shape attitudes and beliefs. As we go through change, we want to tr try to provide the best experience we can with people through change and shape their attitudes and beliefs moving forward. So that's something I think about as you navigate that humility, but also the confidence. Yeah, that's that's great. And you know what? You are, Zach, you've mentioned already so many great uh, resources and people that we should you know check into because of the things that they offer. So 
we know that we are really our own best resources, right? Like we learn best from one another. I say mm -hmm. every week, I feel like I get the sneak peek behind the curtain because I get to get all the, the tips from all of my guests before, yeah. before the episode <laughs> releases. And so it's almost like I've got this cheat sheet of greatness going on here. Uh, but when you think about um, people that, that, are that have been influential um, in your leadership that you think, okay, leaders, if you don't know about this person, whether it's following them on social media or reading their book or listening to their podcast um, or watching them on YouTube. Who are two or three people that you feel if people aren't aware of these, these humans, they need to be. So I will, I'll go to Tom Gusky first. Okay. And I was, and I've really enjoyed the work of Tom Gusky. He does a lot of work with grading, reporting, <laughs> assessments. And, and I was, I was blessed to see him in person present, but he has an art. I would really recommend this article to people. I read it at the beginning of every year. It's called the importance of the first two weeks. And it really talks about the first two weeks of school are so critical for parents, for kids, for teachers, and how the rest of the year is going to go. And it talks about kids are coming in, some are excited, some are nervous, some had different experiences to start. So the first two weeks are always so critical. Um, also, Steve Barkley. I don't know if you're familiar with Steve Barkley. I'm not. But in a, a previous position I was in, we worked a lot with him and he did a lot with us on instructional coaching. Okay. So as principal, as principals in instructional coaching, but also building staff to be instructional coaches with one another. And he has, he has a great podcast. He's on social media and he has, he has different blogs that he does as well, but you know what he does? That's really, that's really good. And I think it's a, I think it's a good sign of a humble leader he's really good with questioning techniques. Mm, so yeah. when you, when you watch him operate, he'll even have lists. Like I print out a list that I keep by my desk or questions to ask maybe in a post observation or mm -hmm. questions for different situations. Cause I think asking the right questions is so important. Yes. And I know um, there's one. So actually this is one individual I met. His name's Dr. Tyler Cook. And I recently came across him on Twitter, but we also connected at the PA Educational Leadership Summit. And I know he's, he's new to social media, but I've really enjoyed some of the content that he's put up. And he's, because he caught my eye right away because you can really see he's, hey, let's lead our families first. Uh -huh. And let's making, sure, let's making sure we're the right spot leading those closest to us before we're out and leading in our schools. So I've really enjoyed following Dr. Tyler Cook. It's, it's funny. It's funny that you say that, Zach, because um, I presented a couple of different sessions at the NAESP conference, and um, one of the last sessions that I presented engagement was right next door to him we were just and his energy oh, was yeah. so good like I just met him out in the hall yeah. and I was like hey you know and that kind of a thing and so again yeah. you know these opportunities to connect with one another is it's in I started following him as well so it was just a chance encounter that we were right next <laughs> to one another I said I told him I was like I hate that I'm presenting at the same time because I would have loved to have attended yeah. your session yeah. oh yeah no his energy so it was interesting we connected on Twitter maybe a, uh, a month ago or so and then at one point he sent me a really nice message and then he said, you wouldn't happen to be going to the PA Educational Leadership Summit, would you? And I responded, yeah, I'm actually even going to be leading a session there. So he's from Erie, and it's actually 10 minutes from where I have some family up there. But so I saw him at the, the session that I presented, and we met for about an hour in the lobby and then joined some other sessions. And it was, like you said, it's just great to connect. 
It really is. It, it kind of makes this job feel a little less lonely, which we know it can be at times. Um, so yeah, and, and hearing just different perspectives that either affirm the things that you're doing or help you think more deeply about some challenges that you may be encountering as a leader. So yeah, he, yeah. he was he was awesome. So that that's great. All right. So final question, Zach, and this is what I ask everyone, and it kind of lends into, uh, we, always, we always ask this as our final question in our interviews uh, for staff as well, is what are three words that other people who know you would use to describe you? Great question. <laughs> Here, let me, I'll have to pause and think about that. Maybe your candidates do that too. They're like, hey, can I think about this? For they they do. Um, and it's funny because <laughs> I, I often have an appreciation for that uh, when people are like, well, let me, let me give you a, a deep thought because I want to think about who I am, you know, as a person at, in all capacities, you know, for, for example, for you, how do I encompass who you are as a, just as a human, as a father, as a husband, as a leader, all those things. Yeah. Yeah, I would say one word uh, that staff and, and hopefully my wife as well would share is steadfast. Like, mm -hmm. uh, dutifully, I love the definition of it, dutifully firm and unwavering. Like there's, mm -hmm. there's so many highs and lows, but sort of just, hey, uh, I'm going to come in even keel. I'm not a huge rah-rah guy. I mean, I get excited and have fun, but just really that steadfast leadership. Um, hopefully they would also say confidence. And I, and I want to tie in the word humility there too. Like I have a confidence. Um, but that confidence gives me a sense of humbleness as well, like mm -hmm. um, that, that I'm not doing it on my own. And and I got a lot of good people around me. So just going through and leading with that steadfast confidence. And then I would say the, the last one would be listener, like someone mm -hmm. who truly someone that truly listens. And when I'm talking to them, I, I feel like, hey, he's he's locked into me right now and he's really listening. And I do need to do better of that with with my wife, because I will say, <laughs> I will, I will share the story. I was talking to someone and my wife was there and she said, she made the comment, Zach, Zach always makes people feel like the most special person when they're talking to a one-on-one. -on -one. And a few days later, my wife was talking and I wasn't listening the best. And she said, Oh, Zach always makes people feel so special. <laughs> so, so that's always a work in progress, but I, I try really hard to be like, be present, be where your feet are when you're listening to people and, and mm -hmm. you're engaging in those one-on-one -on -one conversations to really, really make people appreciative. Because I know there's certain people in my life, and you might have some as well, that you feel like you're their favorite or you feel like they're, like, they really appreciate you. Like, mm -hmm. and, and they can, they have this ability to do it to everyone. And it's not manipulative. It's just how they feel. It's just how they interact. Like, hey, when I'm around them, I feel special. Right. And that's sort of what I want to be. That's what that's sort of what I want to be able to do to those around me. That's so important. And what I love so much, Zach, and listening to you is that, you know, as leaders, we, we really try to prioritize that with our job and the people that we work with. And so sometimes it's that whole you give it all away and you don't have anything to give to, to the people at home. And so listening to you, prioritizing to make sure that what you're giving to your staff is that you're saving enough of that and if not more to give to your family at home. Um, so, and I love that your wife is keeping you in check. She's, she's doing that, that keeping you in check. <laughs> yeah, I say, so my, my book's about humble confidence and I say, uh, she keeps me humble and she keeps me confident. So she, uh, she is certainly, uh, phenomenal match for me. <laughs> that, that's, that's wonderful. So Zach, you've given, this has been such a great conversation. You've given us so many words of wisdom. If people want to follow up with you or connect or, you know, get in touch with you about, you know, getting a copy of your book, what's the best way to reach you? 
Yeah, very good. So I'm on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, my at uh, Z Bowermaster. I also do have a website now, ZachBowermaster.com. And the book is available on Amazon. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being with me today. Yep. Thank you very much, Joe. I appreciate the conversation. All right. Have a great school year. Thank you. You as well. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, Servant Leadership that cultivates a culture of healthy people, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. Now, if this is your first episode or you've not listened to any of the other great episodes of this season or the previous seasons, please check me out because I'd love to know what you think. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts to get automatic episode updates every week for Be the Leader You Deserve. In fact, friends, go ahead and do it right now so you don't forget. And if we aren't connected on Twitter or LinkedIn, let's change that status. We know that we are our own best PLN. And finally, please take a minute to leave an honest review and rating on Apple Podcasts. They really do help me out when it comes to the ranking of the show, and I make it a point to read every single one of the reviews that I get. All right, leaders, have a great week. And don't forget to ask yourself, am I the leader I deserve? And what am I doing about it?